Today is Monday, February 8th. The title for our devotional is The Incarnation. The devotional during the conference weeks, this and next week, will be geared towards cementing the themes that we've been talking about throughout this campaign. This week, we'll look back at the Incarnation. The next week, we'll look to Romans 12 through 16. Let's think back to our Advent series, where we talked about the Incarnation of Jesus. Remember, the Incarnation refers to the infleshing of God, God becoming man in the person of Jesus. One of the most direct teachings on this in the New Testament is found in the first chapter of John's Gospel. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John says that the Word, that is Jesus, you can see that in John 1.1, this Word became flesh. The became is really important. This indicates a fundamental change in his nature. He didn't just appear to take on human form. In the dualistic Greek world of the day, that wouldn't be uncommon at all. The Gnostics, a prevalent early church heresy that attempted to blend Christian thought with Greek pagan religious categories, would expect the gods to do that often. However, a god becoming man is akin to heresy in Gnostic thought. This also gives great credibility to the material world. The Gnostics believed that the material world was evil and the spiritual good. The Christian view challenges that by simply asserting that God, the one true God of the universe, became man. In this change to his nature, we must also note that this is solely in addition to his nature, not a subtraction. When Jesus incarnates, he doesn't become less God to make room for him to become more human. He remains fully God, just as he becomes fully man. In the words of the ancient church from the Council of Chalcedon in the 5th century, these two natures remain unmingled in one person. This is what's known as the hypostatic union. Despite how much it sounds like a superhero, Jesus quite literally becomes the God-man. As the author of Hebrews clearly articulates, it is absolutely necessary for Jesus to be both God and man in order to mediate the new covenant between humanity and God. As a man, he can relate to our weakness, and yet be without sin. He can identify with humans. As God, he can be the perfect sacrifice for the sin of the world. He has the authority to forgive sin because it is he whom humans have offended. Both aspects of his nature are necessary. Hebrews 2.17 says this, Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. I know this is strange, but when we ponder the mystery of the hypostatic union, we can appreciate the perfection of God's plan of redemption and cherish the humility of our Savior. For additional content, I've linked you to the Bible Project video on the nature of God, which explores the theology of the Trinity. So you can head over to the devotional page and give that a watch if you haven't already. For reflection, spend some time thinking on the theology of the Incarnation today. Think of the mystery and the beauty of God's plan of redemption by way of the incarnate Son of God.